The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. This morning, I could hear you singing, but uh, it's quite solemn. But isn't it a beautiful day, though? It's a little bit muddy, but the sun's shining, and the grass is green, and the trees are budding, and the uh, blooms, and all of the things that are happening. It's just a beautiful day. Uh, and just to remember that God is who He is. He's unchangeable. He's unstoppable. He's always moving forward, and uh, He's not depending on any of us to get His job done, but He wants us. He wants to use us, and He wants to invite us to do what He's doing, and I'd like to do it, but that's the title of my message this morning. I'd like to, but turn to Exodus, if you would, chapter 3, and uh, I'd like to, but Period, 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 whatever you want to fill in after that. Uh, I don't know, I probably told you my mama used to say, no buts. Did your mama ever say that to you? (laughs) Go do this, no buts, period. She always put a period behind it. I guess that's the right thing to do. Uh, But uh, I wonder sometimes, and I think I, I covered this a few months ago in this same illustration, why we feel that we can offer excuses when it comes to the church that would be ridiculous if we used them any other place. And uh, I found this list, uh, Monthly Moody ran a piece, which uh, were were a list of excuses uh, that a person might use for quitting sports. In other words, we have sports fanatics and um, something that, that people might use to quit sports, uh, fans might use, and how, how ridiculous these sound, but maybe how familiar they sound. So, so this piece includes the excuses, the buts that people might use for quitting sports. Every time I went to the event, they asked me for money. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Go to Jerry World, and uh, you can pay your 100 or 150 to get in, and then uh, you can pay you uh, 8 or $10 for a beer, and then you can pay uh, $5 for a hot dog. and or That's what they were the last time I was there. I don't know. It's just been 20 years ago. Uh, so anyway, uh, so uh, every time I go, they ask me for money. The people I sat with weren't very friendly, so I'm giving up. Oh, I, that just went right over most everybody's head right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the elbows, is that what it was? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wondered if anybody caught that, but I thought, well, nobody even picked up on that. Uh, I told you all that now about going up there and buying that six-pack for beer butt chicken, if y'all ever cooked that, you know, it's really good. And uh, I ran into somebody, one of y'all, I don't remember who it was, and it was hilarious watching you because you were talking to me and you kept cutting your eyes down in my basket to see what I had in there. <laughs> uh, I thought it was just funny. Uh, but I'm going to quit sporting events because people I sat with weren't very friendly. I'm going to quit because the seats are uncomfortable and are too hard. Uh, I'm going to quit because the coach never came to see me. 
I'm going to quit because the, refu- uh, the ref- uh, referee made a decision that I didn't agree with, so I'm giving up on it. Uh, I'm going to quit because I set him with a bunch of hypocrites, and they only came to see what everybody else was wearing. Uh, I'm going to quit because the game's going to overtime, and I'm late getting home. <laughs> uh, I'm going to quit because the the band played a bunch of songs I'd never heard before. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to quit because the games were scheduled on the only day I have to do something else. (laughs) We ever use that one? I'm not going to. That's my only day off. That's the only day I got to do anything else. I'm going to quit because my parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. So I've read a few books on sports, and I feel that I know more than any of the coaches do anyway. Uh, And the last one is I'm going to quit because I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. You know, if if we use those excuses, if someone came to us and said, well, I've noticed you've quit sports, they would say, well, that's ridiculous. (laughs) But don't those sound like a whole lot like we hear when it comes to church, I mean, I've got, I'd like to, but, you know, I'd like to, but look at who I had to sit with. Look, well, they played something I didn't even know. They, uh, those people around me, they just weren't very friendly, and those pews are so hard. I mean, those are things that, that we really hear, and we need to remember, and if we think about this, uh, I'm talking this morning about I'd like to, but, and in, in Exodus chapter 3, if you want to read ahead, This is Moses and the burning bush. We're not going to read that this morning. So if you want to read that, you start there in verse 3, because actually we're not going to jump into this story till verse 10. I didn't want to spend the day just talking about the burning bush, and we're we're all pretty much familiar with that. But uh, in Exodus chapter 3, we saw God tell Moses that he had heard the cry of Israel. He said, okay, Moses, I've heard the cry of Israel for deliverance, and now it's time for me to deliver them. So God tells Moses that, and to the surprise, in verse 10, when God said to Moses, it it must have been a surprise, come now, therefore, and I'm going to send you. He's talking to Moses. All right, come on, Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So we're going to see today when Moses... When God confronts Moses, when God comes to Moses, and, and what he offers, what Moses offers to God, he offers a, I'd like to, but. He offers some buts to God. He, he offers excuses instead of service. And, and, uh, and I want to I just ask you if you've ever responded this way. I'll be honest, I have. Have you ever responded this way? You're asked to teach a class and... You say, well, I'd like to, but whatever. Or maybe, maybe you're asked to serve in the nursery, and you say, well, you know, I'd really like to, but after all. Or, or you know, somebody told me that we had, how many babies did y'all say we had in the last? Ten babies. Is that right? I'd like to help out. But ten babies? <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, maybe God puts it on your heart to share your faith with a friend or neighbor. 
And you say, well, I'd like to, God, but. Or, or in fact, you know, uh, you need to provide something for someone who's needy. And you begin to look and say, well, God, they may be needy, but after all. And, and we could go on and on and on. And, and in fact, a lot of times when we're asked to do about anything for the Lord, just about anything, so often we, we start with an excuse. Well, I, I'm really, I'm too busy, or I'm, I'm already doing this and that, or, or God, just get somebody else to do it. And, and, and we say, God, I, I might like to do these things, but, but there's this reason behind it. I, I remember somebody, it's in a movie, I think, that, a, that a, a, an excuse is just a skin of a lie. And, and that's true, isn't it? So often, excuse is just a skin of a lie, but sometimes our excuses pile up so high that, that it gets in the way of us doing something for the Lord. I read this kind of a, a somewhat a humorous story, and I've heard it before, and I may have read it before, about some GIs that were on furlough, and I think it illustrates a pretty good how sometimes our excuses pile up in our way. The commanding officer was furious when nine GIs who had been out on pass, failed to show up for morning roll call. Not until 7 p.m. did the first man come straggling in, and he said, I'm sorry, sir. He began to explain, the soldier did. But I had a date, and I lost track of time, and I missed the bus back to the base. But being determined to get here on time, I hired a cab. Halfway here, the cab broke down. So I walked over to a farmer's house, and I persuaded the farmer to sell me a horse. I was riding the horse back to camp, and the animal fell over dead. And I had to walk the last 10 miles, and I just got here. So, you know, he was skeptical, but the, the colonel said, Okay, uh, I'm going to let you off with just a reprimand. However, after him, seven more stragglers came in, each one with the same story, one after the next, after the next. Well, I had a date, I missed the bus, I hired a cab, I had to buy a horse. By the time the last man got there, the ninth man, he, he walks in and, and uh, the, the colonel says, okay, what happened to you? He said, sir, I had a date. And I missed the bus back. So I hired a cab. And the colonel said, wait, wait a minute. I know. The cab broke down. He goes, no, sir. The cab didn't broke, break down. And he said, well, it's a good thing because I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that the cab broke down. Well, no, sir, the cab didn't break down. But there were so many horses in the road that we couldn't get here on the way back. Well... They kind of worked that story out, didn't they? And the problem was, excuses piled up so high that they couldn't get where they needed to be. And, and for us as Christians sometimes, I think, I think our excuses pile up so high, and I wonder sometimes if God doesn't go, wait a minute, I don't want to hear that again. I don't want to hear that same old story that's the same story the other eight people told me. I don't want to hear that. Moses had his buts. He had his reasons for not following God. And, and Moses begins with a series of five buts. And I want us to demonstrate that this morning or hear about that. 
and, ta- and he talks about his weakness and, and how he can't be responsible and all those things. And I want us to look at these five different buts or these five different reasons that, God, that Moses gave to God. Excuse number one, or but number one, Moses said this, Who, me? You ever said that? <laughs> Who, me? And God comes, and, and the first excuse that Mo, Moses offers to God is kind of pitiful, and, and we see that it, it, it does kind of sound like something we may do, but in verse 11, this is what it says, But God... Now, the translation may say, But Moses said to God, but, but, but listen to what Moses says, But God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And who am I that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. That was Moses' first excuse. But God, who am I? And when we feel God calling us, I think sometimes we may be in that same boat. But God, who am I that I would do that? Who am I that you would call me to do those things? Undoubtedly, I imagine Moses remembered some of his past. Now, we talked last week about how God delivers us from our past, how he must have taught Moses in the wilderness to forget his past, But when it came right down to it and God calls him over in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts, this Stephen recalls this story. He says, now when he was 40 years old, talking about Moses, (coughs) it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed, and he struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. Y'all remember this? We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Moses goes out. He's, a, he's a, the prince of Egypt. He goes out. He's walking among God's people. He sees a, an Egyptian beating one of them. He kills them. And I want you to catch this part. He assumed that people would understand that God was going to deliver them through him. Okay? Now, we've talked about this over and over, but... But Moses says, I'm going to be Israel's deliverer. He assumed all these other people would understand this. But verse 25 says, but they did not understand. Remember that. They didn't understand that. So the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, men, your brethren, why do you wrong one another? But he who did this neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, who made you the ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill us as you did the Egyptian yesterday? So, so Moses has tried to be the deliverer. Forty years earlier, Moses said, I'm going to be the deliverer of Israel. I'm going to be the deliverer of God's children. And, and 40 years other, as he tried that, listen, he wasn't believed. People didn't believe him. And people didn't listen to him. Now, folks, there's probably nothing more frustrating then when you want to lead somebody and they won't believe you, and matter of fact, they won't even listen to you. And I think when we begin to look at that, he's thinking about the things that happened in the past. He's saying, God, but wait a minute. Who am I that I would go there? I've tried it, God, and people didn't listen to me. And not only that they didn't listen to me, they didn't even believe what I said to them. And so, as Moses began to to argue with God about those things, but God, who am I? We need to remember that the past is redeemable. 
The things in our past, things change. Our past is not in concrete. People change. If we look today and I ask you to think about your spiritual life from the time that you were born again until today, hopefully you'll say, well, I've changed. I've learned some things I didn't know. I've changed some of my ways. I've I've grown uh, in a deeper walk with Christ. I I understand some things that I didn't understand when I was a baby in Christ. And, And we need to understand that change and that we change. But Moses failed to realize that. Moses, he kind of really failed to realize that the people of Israel, spiritually, they were in a different condition. He really failed, failed to realize he himself was in a different spiritual condition. Forty years earlier, he was going to be the man. Then he spends 40 years in the desert and God's been to him and teaching him through that desert you and and Moses kind of fails to realize that I'm someone different. So God answers Moses, I love this. Moses, I'm certainly going to be with you. Isn't that great news? Moses comes to God and God says, hey, I've seen my people. I've seen that they need to deliver. Moses, you're the man for the job. And Moses says, but God, who am I? And, Moses, and God says, listen, Moses, I'm certainly going to be with you. I'm certainly not going to send you out there alone. I'm certainly going to be with you every step of the way. And this will be a sign unto you that I sent you. When you have brought my people out of Egypt, you're going to serve God on this very mountain. In other words, Moses is there with God. He's there at the burning bush. They're having a conversation. And God says, Moses, I'm going to certainly be with you. And to prove that, I'm going to have you bring the people right back here where you are right now. Remember what we talked about last week? Moses, I'm going to have you bring people back here where you've learned to survive, where you've learned to live, where you've spent these 40 years developing and and learning what it's like to live here. I'm certainly going to bring you back to this place. So Moses' first excuse, it expressed doubt in himself. That was his first excuse. I doubt myself, God. Unfortunately, his second excuse expresses doubt in God. Look at his second excuse. By what authority, God? By what authority? Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, say to them, this is God talking to Moses, say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And what if they say to me, what is his name? And what am I going to say to them? God, if, if you're sending me and I'm to say that the, the, the God of Israel, the, the God of, of, of your forefathers has sent me, and they ask me, hey, what, what is his name? God, God at that point, what, what will I say to them? God didn't ask Moses uh, to explain everything that he did and didn't know about him, did he? He didn't say, Moses, I want you to go and deliver my people, and I want, to tell, I want you to tell them all the things that you know about me and things you don't know about me. All, all God said to Moses is, here, here God, I want you, Moses, I want you to go, and I want you to explain just what you know. I want you to go, and I want you to tell the people, God has sent me. But God responds in verse 14 and 15, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. Moses says, what I'm going to say when they ask me, who sent you and what is his name? And he said, God said, this you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. 
We don't have time to talk about that. If you want to do a little word study, go look at I am. You know, that, that Yahweh, that, that word that, that Israelites wouldn't even speak. They wouldn't say that word. They, they simply said, we'll say I am because I don't want to speak that, that name of God, that, that, that reverent name of God. So, so God says, Moses, go and say, I am sent you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you will say to the children of Israel, The Lord, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. As God says, I am who I am. God told Moses, it, it doesn't have to do with who you are. It has to do with who I am. And folks, we need to remember that when God calls us to do something, it doesn't have to do with who we are. If we're a born-again child of God, God says, okay, I have this for you. But it's not about you. It's about me. It's about, God says, it's about who I am. It's about, it's about what I have for the people. Moses, it's not, it's not about you. And, and why is the reason so many people are not committed to God? Quite frankly, I think people don't know God. I think they've come to a point of their life if, if they, they don't really know about who God is. They don't recognize that God is the I am. And because of that, they're not committed to him. They kind of sort of know a few things, but they lose track of who God really is. And that's what the children of Israel had done. They had lost track of who God was. And God said, I want you to remind them who I am. I think sometimes, folks, we're guilty of getting this ideal that God is some kind of grandfather figure that's just setting him up in heaven and he's, he's just looking down at us, watching our annex and kind of turning a, a deaf ear to our language that we speak that, that, that wouldn't be pleasing to him and, and shutting his eyes when we do things that, that we know we shouldn't and then just kind of winking off our sins. I think we kind of get that ideal about God. Oh, God, he loves me. He's my heavenly father and... And, and he just kind of winks off those little sins, and he, he just kind of shrugs his shoulder and says, Oh, I understand. But that's not the God we serve. And God said to Moses, Tell them, I am who I am. That's literally saying, I am he who was and who is and who shall always be, and I'm going to continue to be what I've always been. He told Moses, go and tell the children of Israel that I am, the I am has sent you. Here's the third excuse. Moses gives that third but, but God, what if? God, what if? Then Moses answered and said to God, but God, what if? They don't believe me. Or what if they don't listen to my voice? Suppose they say to me, the Lord has not appeared to you. In the King James Version, that, 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 that word what if is, is what's used there. That, that word what if. God, God, what if. You know what that is? That's a hypothetical question. I hate hypothetical questions, don't you? We get in a meeting at work and we explain something. And 40 different what-if questions come up. And all of them are hypothetical. Well, what if an airplane crashes into the church? That's some of the, that's some of the excuses we hear at work. We'd say, okay, we're going we're gonna to start doing this safety-wise. 
Well, why are we doing that? Well, because we feel like it's going to protect you. Well, what if an airplane crashes into us? Well, it was your time to go. I mean, that's all you can say, you know. That was it. Hypothetically. Isn't that ridiculous? That's exactly what Moses did. That's exactly what we do. God, hypothetically speaking, what if they ask a question I don't know the answer to? That's what Moses said. God, what if they say something and I don't know how to answer? Have you ever used that excuse? God, I don't want to, I, I, I can't go uh, lead someone to Christ. What if they ask me something I don't know? God, I can't go and minister to that person. What if they do this? God, what if they don't respond? What if they don't believe me? What if, what if, what if? Well, God gives Moses three proofs, okay? I believe those proofs are twofold. He gave them one to say, okay, Moses, when you go before the children of Israel, here's some proof I'm going to give you. We're going to talk more about that when we see the plagues and things. But I think he also gave them to Moses because I think Moses doubted who God was. I think Moses said, God, I, okay, here's my best excuse. What if this happens? So God said, okay, here's some proof. I love this scripture right here. It's over in Exodus, and it's verses chapter 3. Well, let's see. We may be in 4. Let's see. Yeah, we're in chapter 4, verse 2. So, so God says this first. Throw down your staff that you have in your hand. So the first proof he gives Moses is his staff turns into a serpent. Now, that's not the part I like. Here it comes. So the Lord said to Moses, this, what do you have in your hand? And Moses said, I have a rod. I have a staff. He's a shepherd, remember? And God said to him, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. What did he do? He ran from it. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> Don't y'all think that's funny? I mean, you can see Moses standing here. He's talking to God. God said, cast it on the ground. He cast it go, whoa, that thing's a snake now. He ran from it. He was scared of it. I think that's important because I want you to see what else God did. So the Lord said to Moses, cast it on the ground. It became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. And then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it up by the tail. You say, well, I say, well Moses, he was used to snakes and things. Why did he flee from it? He was scared of that thing. He, he wanted to get away from it. And he reached out his hand and he caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Here, folks, there's a couple things I think is important. It's important for us to stand, understand that God didn't ask Moses to use something that he didn't have. Do you notice that? God looked at Moses and said, Moses, what do you have? And Moses said, well, I've got, a, I've got a rod. And God says, okay, cast it to the ground. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use what you have. Folks, we need to understand God uses what we have. He's never going to ask us to, to, to use something or do something with the ability we don't have. He's not going to send us there and say, okay, on your way to see Pharaoh, 
you need to go find you a stick and develop a stick because I'm going to use that. He simply says, okay, what do you have? And Moses says, I have a rod. And he says, okay, I'm going to use that. I've said many times, God's not looking for our abilities. He's looking for our availability. And if we'd say to God, hey, God, I'm available. I don't have much. After all, all I've got is a staff. All I've got is a rod. God, I don't have much, but I'm available. What do you want me to do? How do you want to use me? And when God calls, we're tempted to, to put our assets and our abilities into one list, and we're, we're tempted to put our limitations and our liabilities in another list, and we begin to look at these assets and abilities and these limitations and these liabilities, and we begin to weigh them out, and we begin to say, well, God... You know what, my, my limitations and my abilities, they, they, they outweigh my abilities over here. So God, I'm not going to be able to do that. Remember, God's going to give us and God's going to use what we have. Here was the simple thing. He says, Moses, throw it down. Moses, pick it up. It's just that simple. He, he said, Moses, you don't have to do anything earth moving for me. I'm going to use what you have. I'm going to say to you, it's simple. Throw it down, pick it up, and I'm going to take care of the other details. The next two things, we're not going to spend as much time on there. Verse 6 and 7 talks about God gave Moses a sign by saying, put your hand into your cloak and pull it out. Y'all remember that? And it says he pulled out and it became as a hand that had leprosy. And it was covered with leprosy and he he would have looked at that hand and then God said, okay, put it back in there. He, he put it back in there and he, he pulled it out and he was healed again. And then God said, okay, Moses, take your staff. This is verse 8 and 9. That was verse 6 and 7. Verse 8 and 9. Take your staff and, and put it in the water. And the water became blood. And then he took it out and the water became clear. See, God, God thus far revealed himself to Moses. He said, Moses, here are some proofs that you're, the people are going to have that I sent you. Here's some things that, that I'm going to use. Here's some things that I'm going to do. Moses, I'm demonstrating to you that I'm going to be there. I'm certainly going to go with you. I'm certainly going to be able to answer those what ifs. Moses, I'm certainly going to do all the things that I've promised to do. Now, I want you just to think about this a moment. You just experienced this. You just experienced Rod becoming a snake. And then becoming a rod. You just experienced your hand covered with leprosy and then being whole again. You just experienced water turning to blood. And you're having this conversation with God and you feel the presence of God moving. And God says, okay, Moses, now I want you to go. But God, I don't speak very well. That's his next excuse. Then Moses said to the Lord... Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech, and I'm slow of tongue. He said, God, I'm a stutterer. I can't do this. I, I can't go before people. Think of what he just experienced. Think of what he's doing. He's talking to God in a bush, and it's speaking to him. And he says, God, wait a minute. I, I can't even talk right. He may have been slow of speech, but isn't it interesting what Stephen had to say about him over back in Acts chapter 11, verse 22? 
that Moses, his first 40 years in his life in Egypt, says this, listen, he was mighty in words and deeds. See, Stephen looks at Moses and said, man, he was a mighty man of words. He was a mighty man of deeds. But Moses said to God, but, but wait a minute, God. I can't speak. I'm not a public speaker. Don't call on me to pray. I've got to tell you all this story, and I, won't, I can't use any names because I don't know them, but it's really funny. I told Pat about this. We were at a uh, men's rally in Paris, and there's a coach that coached in Paris. And he came and joined the East Paris Church when uh, Brother Mike Fortenberry was there. And as he came and joined, accepted Christ, uh, he was an older guy, and, and uh, he said, uh, I'm going to come, I'm going to join, and, and uh, I'm going to be a part of your church, but don't ever call on me to pray. So, you know Mike, he probably did it just because of that. This guy I worked with with that church that Sunday, and uh, the end of the service, uh, Brother Mike said, and it'd be like me saying, Doug, would you close us in prayer? And this guy I worked with named Ernie said there was a silence. And then he heard, pass. <laughs> pass. <laughs> he just, he said, no, thank you, I pass. <laughs> I just think that's hilarious. Uh, but listen, that's what Moses said. I'll pass. God, I can't speak in front of people. God, I can't say, I get, my tongue gets twisted. I, I put out the wrong words. I say the wrong things. God, I can't do this. Folks, whatever our physical condition, who made you? God did. Does God know you can't talk well? Well, sure he does. Does God know your, your physical limitations? Sure he does. Look what he said to Moses. So the Lord said to him, who made a man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Therefore, go. That's what God says. Moses, I know about you. I, I've heard you speak. God, Moses, I know about your shortcomings. I know about your problems. I've made the mute. I know the deaf. I, I've seen those that can't see, or those that are blind, or those that can see. I'm the Lord, Moses. Therefore, go. And I will be with your mouth. <laughs> Isn't that great? Because I'm going to teach you what to say. You know, it says that in the New Testament too. It says at the proper time, God will give us the words. Remember, he's not interested in our abilities. He says, I want you to be available, Moses. And I know your mouth. And I'll be with your mouth. And at the proper time, I'm going to teach you what to say. Folks, our inadequacies are no problem for God. We need to remember that when God calls us. But if we make ourselves available, God's plan can move forward. Here's the last thing. We're going to go in extra innings for a few minutes. Is that okay? It's 11.57. Most of you hadn't said, yeah, that's okay. But we're going to move right on into my last point. This is the worst excuse. The last one. Moses finally said, but Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. You know what Moses said? God, just find somebody else. 
God, I just find somebody else. You know what he really says? No matter what signs, no matter what wonders, no matter what I've seen, God, whether you're going to be with me or not, God, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. God, just find somebody else. Just, just let somebody else go. His last objection is not even based on, on any kind of reason. I mean, he don't even have a reason. He's run out of excuses. He don't even have anything to go. He just don't want to do it. He simply does not want to do it. So what's he doing? He's saying, God, no. Listen to this. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 14. And the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Do you realize that? Do you realize that, that God's anger burns against our excuses? God gets fed up with them. It's not that four excuses was okay, the fifth one broke the camel's back. No, that's not it. God doesn't want our excuses. He don't want to hear our excuses. And when we begin to give our excuses to God, it burns Him up. He burned with anger against Moses. What am I saying this morning? That's serious business. Folks, when we begin to tell God, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. God, find somebody else to do this. God, I have inadequacies. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. God, no, I'm not going to do that. God's anger burns against us. And you know what happens when God's anger burns against us? Our blessings that God wants to pour out on us are withheld. They're withdrawn from us. See, Moses never experienced the blessings of God. Had he not followed through the sin of excuses, one day we'll have judgment for our sins of excuses. And we'll stand before God. Now, if we're born again, we won't stand before Him as a sinner. We'll stand before Him as His child. And we'll give an account. We'll give an answer for those excuses. We'll, we'll, we'll say, God, here, here's why. And, and God's going to say, wait a minute, I don't want to hear all those excuses. And we're going to give an account for that. That's what the Bible says. Not only does excuses anger God, listen, it also discourages God's people. You realize that? When, when we think about God in the body of Christ, when, when our excuses come before God, it's discouraging to the body of Christ. Excuses force a few people to carry out the weight of many people. You know, that's, that's been for years, hasn't it? The, the God's church moves forward, and, and there's that saying that, that 10 percent of the people do 90 percent of the work in the church. That's true. And what does that do? It weighs down and discourages other people in the church, that weight of those excuses. Verse 14, he said, "God said to Moses, this is after he's made all these excuses, his angers have burned against Moses, and this is where we're going to close. And God said, is not Aaron, the Levite, your brother? He's coming to see you, and he'll be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. This is God talking to Moses. He says, Aaron's going to come. He's coming right now. He's going to see you. Talk to him about what we've talked about. I'm going to give you words. You're going to put those words in his mouth. I'll be with your mouth, I'll be with his mouth, and I'll teach you what you say and what to do. 
So he shall be your spokesman to the people. Folks, let me tell you something that happened. If you know this story, God's first plan is always his best plan. God's divine will is always his best will. God has a permissive will. And we see that permissive will right here. Moses was God's man. God called him. God chose him. God prepared him. God taught him. And his divine will is that Moses would go to Pharaoh and follow through. His permissive will was that Aaron can go too. What happened to the children of Israel? Because of that decision, remember what Aaron did? Moses went up on Mount Sinai. This is after they've moved back into the desert. And he's up there for an extended time. And Aaron led the children of Israel to worship a golden image. Why did it happen? Because Moses failed to take God's perfect will, God's divine will, and he allowed someone else to step in and do what God had called him to do. And because of that, the people suffered in Israel. And they suffered for years in the wilderness because Moses failed to follow through what God, for what God had him to do. Finally, we see in verse 20, Moses took his wife, his sons, he put them on a donkey, he started back to Egypt, and he took the staff that God had placed in his hand. Ultimately, he finally did what God asked him. Think about this. Over two million Israelites walked out of the land of slavery because of Moses' obedience. When Moses finally became obedient, over two million people were rescued. Think about that. Your obedience is going to touch somebody's life. Do you know that? Your obedience is, is going to make a difference in somebody's life for eternity when we're obedient. Dr. B.J. Miller said, it's a great deal easier to do that which God has given us to do, no matter how hard it is, than to face the responsibility of not doing it.